Section seven of Yiddish Tales. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Yiddish Tales translated by Helen Frank and read by Adrian Pretzelis. Section seven. Whence a proverb by Isaac Loeb Perez. Drunk all the year round, sober at Purim, is a Jewish proverb, and people ought to know whence it comes. In the days of the famous scholar Reb Chaim Vittel, there lived in Tzfas, in Palestine, a young man who, not of us be it spoken, had not been married a year before he became a widower. God's ways are not to be understood, such things will happen, but the young man was of the opinion that the world, as far as he was concerned, had come to an end that as there was one son in heaven, so his wife had been the one woman in the world. So he went and sold all the merchandise in his little shop, and all the furniture of his room, and gave the proceeds to the head of the Tzvas Academy, the Rosh HaYeshiva, on condition that he should be taken into the Yeshiva, and fed with the other scholars, and that he should have a room to himself, where he might sit and learn Torah. The Rosh HaYeshiva took the money for the academy, and they partitioned off a little room for the young man with some boards in a corner of the attic of the Besamed Resh, the house of study. They carried in a sack with straw and vessels for washing, and the young man sat himself down to the Talmud. Except on Sabbaths and holidays, when the householders invited him to dinner, he never set eyes on a living creature. Food sufficient for the day and a clean shirt in honour of Sabbaths and festivals were carried up to him by the beadle, and whenever he heard steps on the stair he used to turn away and stand with his face to the wall till whoever it was had gone out again and shut the door. In a word he became a Polish, an aesthetic for he lived separate from the world. At first people thought he wouldn't persevere long, because he was a lively youth by nature. But as week after week went by, and the Porush sat and studied, and the tearful voice in which he intoned the Gomorrah was heard in the street half through the night, or else he was seen at the attic window, his pale face raised towards the sky, then they began to believe in him, and they hoped he might in time become a mighty man in Israel, and perhaps even a wonder-worker. They said so to the Rebbe, Chaim Vittel, but he listened, shook his head, and replied, God grant it may last. Meanwhile a little wonder really happened. The beadle's little daughter, who used sometime to carry up the Porosh's food for her father, took it into her head that she must have one look at the Porosh. What does she? Takes off her shoes and stockings, and carries the food to him barefoot, so noiselessly that she heard her own heart beat. But the beating of her heart frightened her so much that she fell down half the stairs and was laid up for more than a month in consequence. In her fever she told the whole story, 
and people began to believe in the Porush more firmly than ever, and to wait with increasing impatience till he should become famous. They described the occurrence to Reb Chaim Vittel, and again he shook his head, and even sighed, and answered, "'God grant he may be victorious!' And when they pressed him for an explanation of these words, Reb Chaim answered that as the Porush had left the world, not so much for the sake of heaven as on account of his grief for his wife, it was to be feared that he would be surely beset and tempted by the other side, and God grant he might not stumble and fall. And Reb Chaim Vittel never spoke without good reason. One day the Porush was sitting deep in a book, when he heard something tapping at the door, and fear came over him. But as the tapping went on, he rose, forgetting to close his book, went and opened the door, and in walks a turkey. He lets it in, for it occurs to him that it would be nice to have a living thing in the room. The turkey walks past him, and goes and settles down quietly in a corner and the Porush wonders what this may mean, and sits down again to his book. Sitting there he remembers that it is going on for Purim. Has someone sent him a turkey out of regard for his study of the Torah? What should he do with the turkey? Should anyone, he reflects, ask him to dinner, supposing it were to be a poor man, he would send him the turkey on the eve of Purim, and then he would satisfy himself with it also. He has not once tasted fowl meat since he lost his wife. Thinking thus, he smacked his lips, and his mouth watered. He threw a glance at the turkey, and saw it looking at him in a friendly way, as though it had quite understood his intention, and was very glad to think it should have the honour of being eaten by a Polish. He could not restrain himself, but was continually lifting his eyes from his book to look at the turkey, till at last he began to fancy the turkey was smiling at him. This startled him a little, but all the same it made him happy to be smiled at by a living creature. The same thing happened at Mincha and Myriv, in the middle of the Shemona Esrei, the eighteen benedictions. He could not for the life of him help looking round every minute at the turkey, who continued to smile and smile. Suddenly it seemed to him he knew that smile well. The Almighty, who had taken back his wife, had now sent him her smile to comfort him in his loneliness, and he began to love the turkey. He thought how much better it would be if a rich man were to invite him at Purim so that the turkey might live. And he thought it in a propitious moment, as we shall presently see. But meantime they brought him, as usual, a platter of groats with a piece of bread, and he washed his hands and prepared to eat. No sooner, however, had he taken the bread into his hand and was about to bite into it, than the turkey moved out of its corner and began peck, peck, peck towards the bread by way of asking for some, and as though as to say it was hungry too, 
and came and stood before him near the table. The Polish thought, he'd better have some. I don't want to be unkind to him, to tease him. And he took the bread and the platter of porridge, and set it down on the floor before the turkey, who pecked and supped away to its heart's content. The next day the Polish went over to the Rosh HaYeshiva, and told him how he had come to have a fellow-lodger. He used always to leave some porridge over, and to-day he didn't seem to have had enough. The Rosh HaYeshiva saw a hungry face before him. He said he would tell this to the Rebbe, Chaim Vittel, so that he might pray and the evil spirit, if such indeed it was, might depart. Meantime he would give orders for two pieces of bread and two plates of porridge to be taken up to the attic, so that there should be enough for both, the Polish and the turkey. Reb Chaim Vittel, however, to whom the story was told in the name of the Rosh HaYeshiva, shook his head and declared with a deep sigh that this was only the beginning. Meanwhile the Polish received a double portion and was satisfied, and the turkey was satisfied too. The turkey even grew fat, and in a couple of weeks or so the Polish had become so much attached to the turkey that he prayed every day to be invited for Purim by a rich man, so that he might not be tempted to destroy it. And, as we intimated, that temptation anyhow was spared him, for he was invited to dinner by one of the principal householders in the place, and there was not only turkey, but every kind of tasty dish, and wine fit for a king. And the best Purim players came to entertain the rich man his family, and the guests who had come to him after their feast at home. And our Polish gave himself up to enjoyment, and ate and drank. Perhaps he even drank rather more than he ate, for the wine was sweet and grateful to the taste, and the warmth of it made its way into every limb. Then, suddenly, a change came over him. The Ahasuerus Esther play had begun. Vashti will not do the king's pleasure and come into the banquet as God made her. Esther soon finds favour in her stead. She is given over to Hagai, the keeper of the women, to be purified, six months with oil of myrrh and six months with other sweet perfumes. And our Porush grew hot all over, and it was dark before his eyes. Then red streaks flew across his field of vision like tongues of fire, and he was overcome by a strange wild longing to be back at home in the attic of the Besamedresh, a longing for his own little room, his quiet corner, a longing for the turkey. And he couldn't bear it, and even before they had said grace he jumped up and ran away home. He enters his room looks into the corner habitually occupied by the turkey, and stands amazed. The turkey has turned into a woman. A most beautiful woman, such as the world never saw, and he began to tremble all over. And she comes up to him, and takes him around the neck with her warm, white, naked arms 
and the porus trembles more and more, and begs, Not here, not here! It is a holy place, there are holy books lying about. Then she whispers into his ear that she is the queen of Sheba, that she lives not far from the Beshamedresh, by the river, among the tall reeds in a palace of crystal given to her by King Solomon. And she draws him along. She wants him to go with her to her palace. And he hesitates and resists. And he goes. Next day there was no turkey, and no porush either. They went to Reb Chaim Vittel, who told them to look for him along the bank of the river, and they found him in a swamp among the tall reeds, more dead than alive. They rescued him and brought him round, but from that day he took to drink. And Reb Chaim Vittel said, it all came from his great longing for the Queen of Sheba, that when he drank he saw her, and they were to let him drink, only not at Purim, because at that time she would have great power over him. Hence the proverb, drunk all the year round, sober at Purim. End of section 7